Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Timothy Gordon here with you. Today, on the third day of the Democratic National Convention, shams all around. What a nightmare. What a train wreck this thing is. It kicked off on Monday to the tune of ex-Governor Kasich from Ohio, a Republican, a lifelong Republican, giving a speech at the DNC in favor of Joe Biden over President Donald Trump. And this thing was not to be believed. I'm going to read you some excerpts of the speech. I want to talk some about Bill Clinton's Tuesday night speech the following night. I'm going to skip skip who talks tonight. I don't really care. I'm doing this on a Wednesday. And then Thursday, it's followed up by the Tour de Force, a prayer by Father James Rainbow Flag Martin, again, the USCCB, in full-on collusion with the Democratic National Committee at the Democratic National Convention. What a sham. So look at conservatives and Christians. As I'm always saying, they're in full collusion with the left, the mainstream conservatives and the mainstream Christians. It's unreal. It's unreal. You got Kasich, who was considered a frontrunner at one shameful part of the 2016 primaries. He was a rival of Trump's, if you don't remember. And he speaks at the DNC and endorses Biden, who just last weekend said that he wants abortion in all circumstances. Kasich is allegedly a Catholic, and this makes the whole thing stink even worse. We're going to talk about Clinton, who is under no auspices a good man or a Christian or a conservative. But there are some funny dimensions of his speech and the content which his speech contemplates that I'd like to point out. And of course, Thursday night, the, the real dynamo, the big ticket item, Father James Martin, from a Catholic perspective, giving this speech at the DNC 2020 just formalizes the collusion between Catholicism and the American left. What a sham. What a pathetic thing. Let's start out with, with Kasich. I want to read you this aspect of what he said. It's so pathetic. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I believe, he says he believes the best of America lies ahead. I'm going to go back further in his talk, though. He says the following at, at, at second 54. I'm a lifelong Republican, but that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. That's why I've chosen to appear at this convention. In normal times, something like this would probably never happen. But these are not normal times. I'm proud of my Republican heritage. It's the party of Lincoln who reflected its founding principles of unity and a higher purpose. Asterisk that. I want to talk about it in a second. Lincoln reflected its founding principles of unity and a higher purpose, asterisk. But what I've witnessed these past four years belies those principles. Many of us can't imagine four more years going down this path, and that's why I'm asking you to join with me in choosing a better way forward, which he goes on to articulate to be none other than Joe Biden, abortion across all trimesters, up until the moment of birth, he wants it available as much as he can. This is what John Kasich, a lifelong 
allegedly Catholic, allegedly conservative Republican endorsed on Monday night. If you didn't hear it, you need to hear it now. It's really stark stuff. Now, he makes reference to Lincoln, and no comment there, reflecting the founding principles of unity and a higher purpose. Put a pin in that. Kasich, who's a cowardly, forget four-letter word, he's a, he's a three-letter word of a Republican knife in the back, cut coward. And he twice in 2016 and 2018 vetoed as governor of Ohio a bill called the Heartbeat Bill, which would have made abortion illegal. So whereas Kasich is selling you the snake oil that goes like this, I like Trump's conservatism, but it's newfound. It's not heartfelt. I'm a lifelong conservative, and I hate his tone. And the tone betrays whatever true conservative conservatism belies these last four years. That's not true at all. Trump, yeah, sure, he was pro-choice, pro pro-abortion most of his life. But as a governing president, he's been the most aggressively pro-life president in the history of the presidency. That can't be denied by Kasich. It's not attempted to be denied by Kasich. Kasich, on the other hand, even though he dresses up in the moral garb of virtue signal and language decrying on the part of Trump, the tone police, like everyone else, the tone police seems to be the uh, main appeal of John Kasich. This isn't what his problem with Trump is at all. It's not the tweets. It's not the saltiness. It's not the rawness of Trump's attacks on the establishment left, which runs all the institutions and runs the culture, as Kasich would have you believe. Kasich is a pro-abortion Republican. So there is a bill called the Heartbeat Bill that he vetoed in 2018, and he did a very similar veto in 2016, Places like my Mississippi and West Virginia had passed such a bill. It's a challenge to Roe versus Wade, which challenges the murder of babies in the womb. Kasich, unlike the governors here in Mississippi or West Virginia, is a Catholic. He should be extra gung-ho about getting and seeing such legislation passed. Well, this is what he had to say. The central provision of the bill, that an abortion cannot be performed if a heartbeat has been detected in the unborn child, is contrary to the Supreme Court of the United States' current rulings on abortion. That's what he said in a statement announcing his veto, according to WKYC. Get that through your heads, people. Kasich twice vetoed legislation which would have shut down in his state, Ohio. He's the executive, the chief officer there would have shut down abortion entirely. He vetoed it because he said it's inconsistent with Roe versus Wade. He could have provided a constitutional challenge like my state Mississippi did, like West Virginia did, like other new states have done since 2018, like Georgia, uh, like Louisiana. But he opted not to do this because Roe is evidently sacrosanct. And yet when we return to the language of his, his talk, on Monday night as a turncoat for the DNC against the most pro-life president in the history of the presidency, he gives you a totally different picture. He gives a completely contrasting conception 
as to why he might object to President Donald J. Trump as a fellow Republican. It's unbelievable. He says, I'm proud of my Republican heritage. It's the party of Lincoln who reflected its founding principles, life, liberty, property, of unity, and a higher purpose. That higher purpose is God, the defense of the innocents done in the name of the Godhead, things like that. Abortion, right? Slavery, he makes reference to. It's a less important principle. It's a less important item of vindication on the Republican docket. Very important, but still not as important as abortion. But what I have witnessed these past four years, says Kasich, belies those principles. Many of us can't imagine four more years going down this path, and that's why I'm asking you to join with me in choosing a better way forward. This better way forward is pro-abortion, all nine months of the pregnancy, Joe Biden, who just nominated as vice presidential pick, Kamala Harris, who wants to be able to kill failed abortions to allow them to expire, like her old boss, Barack Hussein Obama. That's the better way forward that Kasich, the Catholic, is proposing to you or that he, that he did two nights ago. It's unreal. It's unreal. Christians, Catholics specifically, and conservatives are the ultimate <laughs> cowards. And guys like Kasich are an extreme example of this. Real blue flame special. Forget four-letter words. These guys are three-letter words. Total cowards. Absolutely ridiculous. Vile. And complete turncoats. Kasich, I never liked in 2016. I always knew he was pathetic. But this is a new low. This is a new low for the guy. And it's a new low for the Democratic National Convention. But, of course, from a winning perspective, from the perspective of an embattled adversarial political party, the Democrats, who've watched the Republicans do some of what they actually wanted to do for a change for the last three and a half years, it's a good strategy. If you can get a turncoat to take your side, who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want it? Well, the Republicans don't have any such figure rooting for them. Now, if it's telling at all, AOC, who's probably preparing a presidential bid in four years, she objected to Kasich for surprising grounds. And it, it instantiates a principle that I'm always making about the cultural landscape and the exacting perfectionist standards of the left. Here's what it is. Her critique was, why let Kasich speak? Because he's only half pro-abortion. Yes, like a Democrat or like someone who should speak at the DNC, he opposed the heartbeat bill. But... He, uh, in the same year, he took measures to make certain kinds of abortion hard to get and illegal. So he's only partly for baby murder. Compl and this is, this is the standard that AOC, the socialist, wants to exact on a guest speaker at the DNC who is doing them a huge favor, a turncoat Republican who ran against Trump in the primary and the rhetorical value of which 
is, is through the roof for a lot of these, you know, IQ 85 morons who are actually on the fence whether or not to go Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Hard to imagine being this dumb if you don't know by now what's wrong with your head. But she's the, the, my point is the, the left, the cultural and religious left is so exacting. They're so good at winning that they want that four inch, four square inch uh, corner of the room when they've taken the entire rest of the cultural landscape by storm, by force. Institutionally, they own all this real estate and they have turncoats who are Republicans who will support their guy. And they're still sitting in the corner taking notes with an exacto knife thinking, I want to cut this part out of the profile of Kasich. I don't like the fact that he's even a little bit, even nominally, even for show, pro-life, which he's not. He's pro-abortion like they are, but he's not as much so. And, and AOC critiqued that. You have to admire their standards. We're losers. They're winners. And this is just article number 748, that they're winners, the left. And we conservatives, we Christians are big time losers. We're used to losing. And they're perfectionists. They're so good at winning. Kasich is a real piece of work, and I've been saying this for over four years, and a lot of people have. I'm not, I'm not take, claiming any special aegis, no special prescience for, for calling out that Kasich is a real blue flame special. Okay, so that's, that's Monday night. That was kind of the highlight was Kasich, turncoat, says what they want him to say, and they're still cutting him to pieces, the, the true believers among them like AOC. On Tuesday night, you have Bill Clinton, who gives a speech, which is hilarious because earlier that day, a picture had surfaced strategically of one of the Jeffrey Epstein victims named Shante Davies. And this picture captured Bill Clinton receiving a massage from Shante Davies. She says he never raped her the way Epstein raped her. But nevertheless, the point is that all of those rapes that we know of began with a massage. And she massaged Epstein and then would get raped or, or whatever the nature of the sexual abuse was. And we have a picture of her rubbing the neck of Bill Clinton, who went to Epstein's Island 26 to 27 confirmed times. We know that through the flight logs, we know it through pictures, we know it through firsthand accounts. So it's hilarious that Bill Clinton would, would be trotted out as if he has any kind of moral authority to give a speech on who ought to do anything, right? To impose that mighty five-letter word, O-U-G-H-T, means that one is invested with a certain amount of moral and metaphysical clout, you know, to, to give advice. You ought to vote for Joe Biden for president. This means that one, from a, the perspective of expertise, is in a position himself of moral authority. And of course, we know Bill Clinton through the Monica Lewinsky scandal, and more to the point, 
through the scandal that has shown that he's been involved in likely uh, rape of minors along with Jeffrey Epstein. We don't know for sure yet, but he went to the, the pedophile island 26, 27 times, evidently and ostensibly, to work out the Clinton Foundation help that Epstein was offering to the family. Really? 26 or 27 vacations worth? Give me a break. He, he has no moral authority, and the DNC is so audacious that they just keep trotting him out. Listen to what he says, though, about Joe Biden. Biden wants to build an economy far better suited to our changing world, better for young people. <laughs> I guess he's, he's pulled the electorate. Better for families working and raising their kids. Better for people who lost jobs and need new ones. Like massage therapists, right, Bill? Better for farmers tired of being collateral damage in trade wars. Better for workers caring for the sick, elderly, and people with disabilities. So he's troubling himself. He's presuming to lecture us on care for the vulnerable. I mean, does this not compute? I, I understand it's silly to laugh at the left because they win and we lose. But, but here you just can't, you can't get the words out. If you're reading this stuff in a news article, you can't get it out without laughing. Unbelievable stuff. So they trot out Kasich in opening night. They trot out Bill Clinton, pedophile island times 26, Bill Clinton, on Tuesday night. They got, you know, all the stars of the party, AOC, talking tonight. And then tomorrow night, Father James Morton. I mean, there's only so much you can say here. It's, it's pretty obvious stuff. But you don't want to miss the, the big or the medium angles just because they're so big and so obvious. James Martin is speaking, is praying, I guess, tomorrow for the Democratic National Convention. And he said he'd do it for either side. We understand the alliance being represented by Martin's prayers for the Democrats at the Democratic National Convention. He's not praying for the souls of all of those wayward Democrats, voters who formally cooperate with murder, the murderers themselves, you know, the, the, the murderous mothers who are getting the abortions and continuing to vote for Democrats that will allow them to continue getting them, or the also formally cooperative legislators and politicians who make the child murder possible into the future. It's real clear, it's undeniable that the USCCB uh, tacitly allowing James Martin to run around and endorse this party that no Catholic can even vote for without incurring mortal sin unless they're completely like insane or something or they're losing their mind or they have no clue and in which case they shouldn't be voting that the Democratic Party stands for abortion first and foremost. Meanwhile, you have Father Frank Pavone, a good man who I'm blessed to know, has been a huge advocate of Donald J. Trump and was forced by his bishop to stand down, stand off the Catholics for Trump advisory committee as the, the chaplain. Once again, it's an instance of the conspiracy of silence when it comes to 
any kind of reciprocity of rule enforcement. So James Martin gets to outright basically endorse Joe Biden. Uh, perhaps saying outright and saying basically are in tension there, but it's, it's an endorsement of Joe Biden. He would not want to do this for the Republican National Convention, nor would he, contrary to what he says. No censure from the USCCB, who are essentially in the pocket of the Democrats. And yet, Father Frank Pavone, who is acting in his ministerial capacity as a priest to endorse the party that stands for life. According to the 2004 document from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, this is what a priest must do if he's going to be involved in politics is stand for life. And Father Frank gets forced to quit. Father Martin is allowed to endure, is allowed to continue as the Democratic National Convention's chaplain or whatever the position is called. It's, it's staggering stuff. And you don't want to miss those angles. It's remarkable how deeply imbued the hypocrisy is. How deeply imbued. It's not hypocrisy because it's not like a single moral agent committing it willingly or semi-willingly, you know, saying, don't speed. And then the very next hour they, they speed home in their vehicle. That's hypocrisy. It's systematic non-reciprocity that is wired into the way that the cultural expectations of Americans, of Westerners, particularly Catholic Americans and Catholic Westerners. It's wired into our expectations because you can get away with political involvement if you're a leftist. It's expected, even though this flies in the face of doctrine and dogma. It ought to be the other way around, right? There should be a non-symmetry. There should be an asymmetry as between the Catholic voter who is a leftist and that he who is a rightist, right? Because, because doctrine and dogma favor what in today's political scene is called right-wingism. It favors it almost across the board, issue by issue, and in all the most important issues Right political thought is favored by Catholic doctrine and dogma, social and political thought. All the big issues are favored. All the prudential issues, I'd still argue, right-wing thought is vindicated by Catholic social teaching, but that's arguable. There are areas where it's inarguable, and those are the most important moral categories of social and political thought. Unbelievable. So how, how does it work? How, how, did, how have they jury-rigged the conditions for the possibility of such a setup? I'm really curious. And I think it has a lot to do with the recent revisitation by myself, my friends, other people on YouTube in the Catholic world about Vatican II. The big question that's never been thoroughly mind, thoroughly plumbed, about Vatican II is, if the documents seem to be textually sound, which thwarts our expectations, 
precisely because of the second half of the sentence, then why were they allowed to be ignored so robustly, so immediately, and so starkly immediately after the council? If doctrine and dogma are on the side of the faithful Catholic, if do- similarly, if doctrine and dogma are on the side of a conservative political voter, political actor, then why, are, why is all the heft, why is all the muscle in the magisterium of the church thrown decidedly in the opposite direction? That's a question that needs answering. And that's a question that, that we, I, I've, I've said, the more I've read the Vatican II sacred constitutions over the last 10 months, and I have, I have read them a lot more than I ever did before, my expectations have been changed some. Wow. All, all, of the, all of the miscreants doubt, all of the progressive, radical change, revolutionary change that was worked, was worked probably because of some weaponized ambiguity. That, that part I had right the last few years. But it was weaponized ambiguity that when, it's, when the tension is resolved in these Vatican II documents, you pretty much have to say, tie goes to the runner. And you just say, ah, uh, we, can't, we can't say that this is technically wrong. It's, it's uh, vague. It was probably weaponized to be vague. But on its face, the original public meaning of these documents is still innocuous, is still favored by tradition. So why immediately thereafter were the participants of Vatican II the ones that were going out and enforcing the opposite of their verdict? I mean, this would be like if the jury finds a defendant at court not guilty, they hand their decision to the judge who's going to read it. The judge flips it and says guilty, orders the bailiff to take him into custody, to take him to jail, have him executed as if they're guilty. Everyone proceeds as if they're guilty in society, even though the jury's standing up banging on... (laughs) hanging on the jury box saying that's the opposite of what we said. But everyone in society just acts like the jury did not find this defendant not guilty. That, that's what we seem to have with Vatican II. Something has to explain, something has to cover the explanatory gap for why doctrine and dogma continuing before, during, and after Vatican II remains intact, yet is being ignored, seemingly at the behest of the, the the council itself. Now that's the big question. That's the question no one's answering, neither the trads, nor the J2P2s, nor the lefties. None of the the right, center, middle of the church, no one ever gets to that question, and that is the Sphinx's riddle. That's the question of questions. Well, similarly, in the Catholic, we have a, a pale reflection of it in the political world when we consider it from a Catholic perspective. Why? Very similar wavelength. Why are Catholic voters and Catholic politicians favored if they go against doctrine and dogma and by voting leftist? Why are they disfavored, silenced, forced out of politics in whatever capacity they were sticking their toe into it, like Father Pavone, for following doctrine and dogma? We have to answer this question. There's a lot of wrong assumptions in the left, the center, and even on the right wing of the church. When you read those Vatican II documents, you're like, okay, 
This is even more complicated than I thought before because they're checking out. They're less problematic than I thought. But before, during, and after the council of the church, there seems to be some collusion and some prearranged agreement, preordained deal, backroom deal, that says, we're with the leftists now. The heft in the church is with the leftists now. But that can't be pinned on the documents themselves. It's strange. So what I do when I don't know something is I go study. I go get in the books. I go get in the literature. The mystery remains. The plot thickens. If anything, the mystique, the, the, the shrouds of mist have not been lifted back. They've thickened since I've seen what I've seen over the last 10 months about the documents themselves. Why is all the muscle in the church for Father James Martin and against Father Frank Pavone? Why is it for Cardinal Daniels, who can openly joke about being part of a mafia group that canvassed for this current pope, which is illegal? Why is it against Cardinal Robert Serra, who said, let's follow Sacrosanctum Concilium and do a mass facing liturgical East? The very next day, the apparatus of power in the Vatican says, no, don't do that. But the, the, the experimental mass has been allowed to be done over the last 50 years, which is why traditionalists are so hopping mad. Similarly, they should be mad about the same fact pattern playing out in the political arena. Father Pavone can't support the right-winger, and it's not a zero-sum deal. He, should, he has more doctrinal and dogmatic right, if you understand ecclesiology, to support a Republican like Donald J. Trump then Father Frank Martin has to support any Democrat in 2020. They're all pro-abortion. It's not even a 50-50, but if anything, the exact opposite of what you ought to expect gets instantiated year after year now. Now it's the new norm. So pay attention to what he says tomorrow. I might come back with some comments on the prayer itself. It's striking stuff. God be with us. And we need, a, we need a decisive Trump victory in November. That's all for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. I really want to emphasize in closing that I did, we, we reached capacity on the Aristotle's ethics class and we, we opened it up for 25 more positions because I'm getting emails left and right. I think some of those are already gone. There are spots left in Catholic Republic, and um, church history. But church history is waning fast. Those spots will be gone, I anticipate, by the end of the weekend. So get your spot. We're starting in, in September, and it's going to be a lot of good stuff, a lot of learning, taught by yours truly. They're going to be great classes. I'm really excited. Catholic Republic, got lots of room there. Jump in before we start that class, too. Please hit like. Please subscribe. And please hit the bell so you get notified because subscribing does nothing unless you're getting notified when we have videos because we do videos all different times of the day. God bless you all. If you have the stomach for it, tune into the DNC on TV. It's, it's going to be a laugh. Go see. It's like going to the circus. Up is down. God bless you. Parish orphans and retrogrades. Peace. Peace.